You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me as always is my good friend Frank Madden. And Frank, Milwaukee Bucks, won again tonight. Nine and four now with Eric Bledsoe on the squad. They pick up a 104-100 win over the Detroit Pistons. And all three key guys, I don't know what to call them. I, I talked about it during the game that I'm I'm trying to find out a nickname for him. I suggested BAM! For Bledsoe, Atetokounmpo, and Middleton, you take the first letter of all those. Uh, I was then told that was stupid, which, admittedly, <laughs> it definitely is. Uh, and then I, I didn't think it was that bad. Yeah, but like it was pretty, it was pretty cheesy. Um, I, then I had Keg suggested to me, uh, Chris, Eric, Giannis, which I think you know in Milwaukee, pretty good. You can throw a keg party, you can throw a kegger, something yeah. like that, if they all have a good night, um, like that one. Uh, EKG which I thought was pretty good because that, I mean, you can get the heart going a little bit uh, with those three. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Uh, KGB, which our, our friend from Bucks Radio, Justin Garcia, said he's already used on the air, which now I feel like I'm infringing, but also I never heard him say it, so I, I don't feel totally responsible for stealing that. Um, so there's that one. I'm curious what anyone, does anyone like anything there? Um, I, I I would be very curious to know. I'll probably tweet something out about it tomorrow. Or if you hear the podcast and want to send me a suggestion, I would love to know what to call them because calling them the big three does not feel right to me. I don't like doing that. Um, so I want a different name for those three. But those three guys, Giannis Dedekumbo, Chris Middleton, and Eric Bledsoe, all go for over 20 points on the night. Giannis, 25 points, 10 rebounds, 4 assists, a steal, 2 blocks. Chris Middleton, 21 points, 6 assists, 5 rebounds. And Eric Bledsoe, 22 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists, 1 steal, 1 block. Uh, and then the two big baskets at the end of the game to seal this. They go Giannis, Bledsoe, pick and roll. Or Bledsoe, Giannis, pick and roll. Excuse me, Giannis is a screener, as they have so often done since Bledsoe has been in town. And Bledsoe hits a pull-up jumper on one possession. And then uh, the next possession, he goes right at Andre Drummond, misses it, and somehow tips it up, which is just an insane play for uh, a point guard to make. But tips in his own miss and puts the Bucks up four. And then things got weird. Uh, we can talk about that in a little bit. I'm still shook from it. Um, but we, we can talk about that in a little bit. Frank, just general thoughts on the game, getting another win this season. Well, happy birthday to... Our guy, Milwaukee's favorite and freakiest son, Giannis Kumbo, <laughs> turning turning twenty three today. Um, if if nothing else, we should be happy that Giannis can go home uh, with a victory. And uh, he got off to the fast start, thirteen points on five shots in the first quarter, uh, but then had just a really uh, I don't know, just had a, a really uneven, let's say at best, uh, bad third quarter, final final three quarters. Um, you know, he started four or five, and 
he went through a stretch where I think he was he missed a couple shots early in the fourth quarter as well. He was five out of twelve, so he made one out of seven, and the one shot that went in was a goaltend that probably wasn't going in. Um, so yeah, he just you know the credit to the Pistons, you know Stanley Johnson and the rest of the team. I think they did a good job of just sort of keeping him away from the basket and um, you know those middle quarters and scoreless in the third quarter where he really struggled with a couple bad turnovers just tried to take a charge at one point really poorly and ended up in the restricted area for a three-point play um or maybe it wasn't three was it a three-point play or was it just a foul i I can't remember Uh, i think just a foul but i'm not 100 sure i think it was just a foul yeah that's right um so yeah kind of Giannis kind of got off kilter a bit but um you know chris middleton seven out of ten for night uh tonight his shooting sleeve that sleeve that sleeve middleton to you or Sleevy Chris. or Sleevy, Sleevy Chris. Cash Sleeve, yeah. Um, <laughs> so six assists, five boards, 21 points on just 10 shots for Chris. Uh, and hit a bunch, hit, what, four uh, big free throws down the stretch, which <laughs> is, was damn important given some of the stuff that, that happened, obviously. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I thought Bledsoe got a little trigger happy at times, took some bad mid-range shots. Um, but Chris, obviously, was, was very efficient. And Giannis does end up eight out of sixteen. Hit a couple big buckets in the fourth quarter as the Bucks sort of began to, you know, the, the offense kind of began to grind to to a halt. Um, he started things off with a nice step through to get kind of off the Schneid early in the fourth quarter, and then hit uh, kind of a pull up jumper over Andre Drummond that you know was was big because he'd been missing jumpers and the Bucks were kind of, you know, again not performing well offensively. And um, then he had another tip in uh, later in the quarter as well to, to score eight points uh, in that fourth quarter to give him 25 on the game. So, um, yeah, I mean, obviously those guys are, are, are kind of the story. But, um, man, we, you know, we, we were talking about Sterling Brown maybe getting a shot here with Jason Terry out. <laughs> um, and, and by the way, I, so um, my, uh, my, I was talking to my wife before he went on, and she watched the game tonight. Uh, as you recall, she is a Houston Rockets fan but does watch every Bucks game. And uh, she said on the broadcast, they kept talking about how, like, oh, you know, somebody's have to step up with with Rashad Vaughn or with uh, Jason Terry out. And my wife was just like, Jason Terry didn't even play until like the last two games, <laughs> <laughs> and now it's like, oh, they got to step up. Jason Terry's. It's like, well, or they can just do what they were doing like the twenty games before the last two when Jason Terry didn't play at all. Um, so shout out to my wife, who's a Houston Rockets fan, uh, for that observation. But, uh, but yeah, there was a guy who stepped up tonight, and uh, well, Malcolm Brogdon had a, a solid game, ten points, five boards, four assists. But Rashad Vaughn, Shoddy Vaughn, it was not Sterling Brown who came in and got minutes tonight. It was Rashad Vaughn, and he gave them a little spark early, and he gave them a little spark late with eleven points on six shots, five rebounds, a couple assists, a steal. And a game high plus eighteen. I'm trying. I don't think. I don't think there's an easy way to look this up. But I would r- wager that that I'm not sure there's ever been a Bucks game in which Rashad Vaughn has been by far the best plus minus guy. And again, there's always a lot of noise in that. So it could have happened accidentally. But tonight, man, Rashad Vaughn actually made a difference in this basketball game, and they needed it because it got closer than you would have liked. The Bucks had double digits lead a couple times in this game. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, Vaughn helped them get that lead. Uh, and then they kind of let it squander a little bit when he went out midway through the fourth. But um, shout out to Rashad Vaughn. Seriously. Uh, uh, 
<laughs> I don't I don't even know what to say. Like it was it was a really nice game for Rashad and uh there was that three that he hits on just a really sloppy, ugly play with him and Giannis. And then Giannis even throws him kind of a bad pass. It was like head high on the right wing and shot clock running down. He gets it in the shot pocket and hits it. And Bucks go up 83-77. And it was kind of when they didn't have a ton going offensively. And, uh, man, it, it, they needed they needed it badly. And uh, before that, there was a steal from Rashad Vaughn. And there was... There's just a lot of good stuff from from Rashad, and that's that's not something we're used to saying. Um, and again, uh, the conversation with Rashad is always: is he getting the chances he deserves? And um, I, I will give him credit. What he did is not particularly easy. Like he played more tonight than he has. I'm not gonna say the entire year. I know he's played in a couple games, but more than he's played in the last month. Um, and you, it's difficult to go from not seeing the floor, and I mean he's not even seeing G League time, um, just to go from not seeing the floor to in the game and needing to make plays, and he he did that tonight. So credit to him for that. I'll be curious to see if if he continues to kind of pick up those minutes as we move forward, as we uh, see Jason Terry out for a little bit longer. And again, we already know that his option has has not been picked up. This is his last year on a contract with the Milwaukee Bucks, and he's he's playing for that next contract. He's trying to figure out if he's, I don't want to say staying in the NBA, but you look at what's happened to a guy like James Young. He was young, no pun intended. He was young when he came in as well, and he struggled, didn't make it in the league, and now he's in the G League for the herd. And I think you could see something similar with Rashad Vaughn. So I think that question exists, and this is as strange as it is to say this is a very important two-week stretch probably for Rashad Vaughn now that I've said that that means he probably won't get any run next game uh and this will be uh, the Gary, no- Gary Payton Gary Payton's gonna start next game probably right <laughs> this will be the normal Rashad Vaughn game where he goes off and then doesn't get time the next game which uh, I think frustrates a number of people that I don't want to say are still Rashad Vaughn believers but just aren't really sure that he's ever kind of gotten a chance. And again, we're not in practices. Maybe he has gotten a chance and just underperformed in all of those times. But uh, I'm, I'm curious to see if these minutes will continue because there, to me, there's really no doubt that he was extremely useful tonight. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, practice notwithstanding, I think we've got a, more than a couple years of data to suggest he obviously has not been a productive NBA player. So but what's the, probably, what do you think is the longest stretch that he's gotten game? Like, the, the longest consecutive games played stretch for Rashad Vaughn. I'm guessing it was as it was rookie, as a rookie. year, but then yeah. since then that really hasn't happened, right? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's had, but but I mean that's sort of the thing, right? Like, the, the, he's not the only guy in NBA history who <laughs> no, who's, for sure. who's had to deal with that, right? Like so, NBA teams um, get to see these guys every day, and most of the time there's a reason you're not playing if you're not playing. Right. Exactly. And um, so so I don't know. I mean, we'll, we'll see. And uh, again, I, I think with a performance like tonight, you'd say. You know, yeah, he does deserve minutes this next game, and you know we'll kind of see if he gets that shot. And and I think for him, obviously, you you know, hey, he he's earned it, and we'll see if he can kind of maybe build. I don't know some kind of momentum, but obviously we've been yeah. kind of wondering if he could do that for for a while now. Again, still only 21 years old, but um, clearly, I mean, we talked about it in the context of Sterling Brown, but they they just need somebody on that wing who can knock down a three 
and and not just like a wide open three too. I mean, Rashad can you know, we saw it tonight. He can hit uh, you know threes when he's not just 100 percent wide open. You know when he's he might got, even prefer him that way. Yeah, I mean, if he's just you know reasonably in rhythm, um, he can you know he can hit him from deep. So um, that was nice to see. He got to line a couple times as well. Um, the, actually showed a little bit of aggression trying to get to the rim, which um, which was a positive and something that we don't always see from him, obviously. I was going to say that maybe, uh, again, I always think just because he's, he's never going to be a rim finisher that ultimately I don't necessarily care a lot if he takes him off the dribble and finishes with a floater or something at the rim, but there was that play in the first half where he was on the backside, they tossed Dathan in the post, he cut and finished, and it wasn't like over Andre Drummond, but... Andre Drummond was able to get there in time and put up some reasonable resistance, and he was able to finish it. And like that's just a, a really solid play. Like he cut at the right time, he's able to handle the catch, he was able to finish. Like that is an NBA skill if you're going to be a backside player, pr- primarily offensively, which he's going to be. You have to hit the threes like he did tonight, where he goes two of four from the three point line, and you have to be able to make timely cuts and finish when you do make those timely cuts and. And that was what we did tonight. So we'll see if that can keep up. I think we both have our doubts that it will, um, but we we will see. There, there's always Friday night to to take a look at that. Um, all right, Frank. Are we going to talk about this post game press conference? I, w- I would say I'm dying. I would say I'm, I'm dying to talk about it, but I'm just like also in total shock at the moment that I struggle to actually discuss this yeah so um, so, so we, we should probably set it up right so so the bucks are up 103.99 with 9.6 seconds left in the game pistons have the ball and i think the previous two possessions i want to say the pistons have been able to get pretty quickly drib- drive dribble up bucks try not to foul and get you know two point buckets pretty quickly right so um the concern obviously uh, well is, let's you know, rewind let's rewind so at yeah. 32 seconds eric bledsoe hits that he drives in Misses it, gets on rebound, tips it in. 97-92. 32 seconds left. Bucks up five. Pistons get the ball. They, they take or they take their full timeout. They get the ball. They inbound, move around a little bit. Avery Bradley comes off a screen, hits a three. 99-97. The Bucks inbound the ball immediately. Chris Middleton is fouled quickly as well. He hits both free throws, 101-97. That was with 20 seconds left. After that free throw, Reggie Jackson gets the ball, dribbles up the floor. Minimal resistance given by the Milwaukee Bucks, which, again, you're up four is fine. Maybe I would have preferred just slightly more, try to make him turn uh, once or twice. But uh, all that aside, 101-99, Reggie Jackson makes the layup. Ball goes back to Chris Middleton. He hits two more. 12 seconds left, up 103-99. And they give the ball to Reddy Jackson again. He gets to half court. Does he even get to half court? Something um, around there, yeah. Somewhere around there. Giannis follows him. And not like he was trying to turn him. He was being aggressive yeah. defensively. It was intentional foul. an intentional foul. And he sends Reddy Jackson to the line with 9.6 seconds left. At that very moment, I'm sitting next to our friend Jack Maloney from CBS Sports in press row. And I look at him and say... Do the Bucks have it? Do they have a foul to give? And he says, I don't think so. I feel like they would have used it. Or, like, there's no way they can. They didn't have a foul to give. There, there was no foul to give. And they sent Reggie Jackson to the line. 
At, at which point, at first, I was the same way watching at home. I was thinking at first, were they trying to like, – was there a foul to give? Were they trying to slow them down and have to reset? Or, which or wouldn't be the worst strategy. Were, like that wouldn't be the worst strategy. Right. If, that, if, that, if they had a foul to give, like then, then that's fine because you probably – you know, end up burning another couple seconds because yeah. they have some momentum bringing the ball up the court and then they have to reset. But, um, but they don't have a foul to give, at which point I think that Giannis, Giannis is totally – yeah, Giannis just screwed up. Like yeah. he took a foul and, you know, he wasn't supposed to. And then, you know, fortunately for the Bucks, they dodge a bullet because Reggie Jackson misses the first free throw. He makes the second, so they're up three. Um, and I don't know if we need to recount the entire rest of the game, but, um, you know – I mean, Eric Bledsoe ended up splitting a pair of free throws later, and you can see, I mean, they they win 104-100. So um, this, that, I mean, that is just something that certainly I have never heard of a coach trying to stop the clock and send a team to the foul line when he's winning by, you know, more than four. one possession. Yeah. Um, yeah, because, I mean, it's like the whole thing of people say, oh, you know, you know the whole thing of all oh, you want to score with the clock is stopped when the when the um, when you're losing right like you want to score quickly and yep. if you can get fouled 50 feet from the hoop and be able to shoot free throws which are the you know a trip to the line is you know has a much higher expected value than a jump shot or even a three pointer um, that's the best way to kind of get points if you're trying to reel another team in so for an opposing coach who's winning to concede that to a guy you know it's not like you were fouling. Even Andre Drummond, who, as much as he's improved, is still not a good free throw shooter. Um, you know, you're fouling a guy who this year came into this game at 85.5% from the foul line. So the fact that he missed a free throw is unlikely, right? Like expected value, his expected value is 1.7 points. Now, I guess that's less than if you just give him an uncontested layup, but you know, you're at least trying to resist a little bit. So, yeah, just very strange, and I guess. I was half expecting, you know, again, for Jason Kidd in the postgame presser to say, oh, yeah, that was a mistake by Giannis or, or something implying that that was not an intentional thing, that not something that they would think is a smart basketball decision. And yeah, that's not what happened. I, you want to read off what, what he wrote? Because you, you and Matt Velasquez uh, were, were on the scene for it. Sure. Matt and I were talking. We, we went through all of that thought process that, that we just did right there, where we were thinking through every possibility. Because, you know, sometimes you're in the arena. You don't have the, the help of an announced crew. You don't have anything else in front of you. You just kind of have like a box score and your memory. And we talked through all of that before we got a, ch a chance to talk with Jason and it was like, oh, I don't think so. Um, this doesn't make sense. This doesn't add up. Uh, so we're, Matt is able to ask the question and ask, why would you foul um, up 103.99 with 9.6 seconds left? And Jason responded, they're trying to play the game of quick twos to save their timeouts. I think they just had one. Um, so Excuse me. That was my own commentary. Um, they're trying to play the game of quick twos to save their timeouts. So we'll just play the free throw game with them. I believe that my guys will make the free throws. If they miss one, it works. It's a free throw game no matter what. But we wanted to send them to the line, and it worked out. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> what? I, I, well, come, no. Huh? Uh, I like I, 
again, like, like I told you before we started recording, I'm struggling getting through this because I'm still racking my brain trying to figure out exactly, exactly why you would do that. And then my brain was kind of blown when John Schumann from NBA.com tweeted at me and said, this isn't the first time kid has done it. Apparently with the nets, he used the same strategy before he got to Milwaukee. So this isn't the first time he's done it. And then I start to think through and it's like, this guy's willing to follow up four, but not up three. Like what? I, I, I'm at a total loss. Well, well, yeah. And, and the thing is, so you guys probably remember, you know, the, the discussion, uh, like in the Suns game, when you know the idea of fouling up three and and it's not just fouling i mean fouling up three the time is really crucial right like yep. if if there's a very small amount of time left and you have a chance to take a foul that will not result in you know three free throws right but just two free throws in like the final couple seconds of a game that's obviously a tactic that a lot of coaches you know will do or or you know mathematically like makes a fair bit of sense because you're basically forcing the other team to make a free throw and then have to intentionally miss a free throw and then get the ball back and, yeah. and get a shot back up, which is obviously very difficult to, to do versus to shoot a three, yeah. which is much more direct and a lot fewer things have to go right. So that that's one thing, right? But to be up four where, um, again, again, like, you know, usually in these situations, the reason why you can get baskets going to the hoop is because, you know, the Bucks and, and most teams will try to make sure they take away the three-point line. So they're and, – and that's fine. You know, that's fine. Um, but to, you know, accelerate the process of them getting points by giving them free throws is and just, allow them to keep their time out and allow them to keep it's just so weird. Or not even weird. It's just stupid. I mean, it's just like yeah, like can, can is this whole coaching staff sitting around like like are they afraid to call Jason Kidd out that this doesn't make sense or like do they actually all believe it? Because that would be even scarier if like a group of people who professionally coach basketball think that's like a mathematically and logically sound approach. I, I don't know. It, I mean, yeah, it's just, and, and, and the thing is the other parts of that press conference were, um, you know, cause all, I think all of us were also wondering why Thon maker was closing the game when, you know, Thon's been just pretty abysmal for a while. And John Henson, <laughs> that's, what, that's why I asked about it. Cause well. I was pretty, I was pretty curious. And and Jason Kidd also said that he thought this was Thon Make one of Thon Maker's best games of the season. Um, and uh, what was the other thing he said? He said that he thought they also defensive rebounded well, which um, they grabbed sixty four percent of defensive rebounds, which is an abysmal rate. Categorically tonight. not true. Categorically not true. Uh, the Pistons had sixteen offensive rebounds, seven from Andre Drummond, four from Eric Moreland. Um, so basically, like other than complimenting Rashad Vaughn, pretty much like nothing Jason Kidd said in the his post game, at least the part that I saw, um, like made any logical sense whatsoever. So yeah, this is why, this is why like, you know, a quarter of bucks fans on Twitter have fire kid avatars. <laughs> Cause yeah. it's just like stuff like this. Like you just like, what, huh? What? I don't know. I, don't, I mean, I don't even, ha- I don't have anything better. Like I've been trying to think of something, I've been trying to think of this strategy through. I've been thinking about how to make the math make sense and I got nothing. Like it just doesn't make any sense. And then, like you said, on, on top of that, you throw some of the other things that didn't really make any sense. And I'm just at a total loss right now. 
Well, I mean, I can only imagine what the outcry would have been like if the Bucks had lost this game. Which they almost um, did. They they almost did. And, you know, again, this this was one of those games that was, you know, even if you put aside sort of the, the fouling stuff, was was pretty frustrating to watch just because even though Detroit obviously has been a good team so far this year, and I mean this is this is a very valuable win to pick up because yes. I mean the, the Pistons come in at fourteen and nine, Bucks at twelve and ten, you close that gap by a game. And granted, I mean it's early, right? But these home games against these teams that right now are above you in the Eastern Conference playoff standings, I mean, these are really, really important. So also I need to, to talk pick- to Matt more about tiebreakers, but I feel like beating a divisional foe is yeah, important. I mean, like, to get, you're to get up, that one. They're up 2-1 again on the Pistons. Well, yeah, and I mean, forget even divisional, right? Like, just another team that you might be neck and neck with yeah. um, late in the season in the East playoff standings, right? To have the head-to-head tiebreaker would, would be big, and obviously the Bucks still have to uh, play them one more time, but at a minimum, they're going to be even uh, if they lose the next game. So, so, yeah, I mean, this was a big win. I mean, you don't want to, you know, we don't want to, like, grouse and, <laughs> and complain about uh the way they won too much because you know we also want to acknowledge like hey you know thank god that Bledsoe Middleton Giannis made enough plays late in this game to help them win thank god that Rashad Vaughn made some big shots and you know really helped carry the team when when some of these bench units were on the uh, on the floor because um they they needed this game you know 118 offensive rating wasn't always pretty but the Bucks offense got it done defensively not as much to write home about uh, 113.5 defensive rating allowed. Um, you know, last time we saw these teams play, the Bucks had 16 blocks, forced I think over 10 steals, as, got over 10 steals as well. Um, tonight really did not force turnovers, just 10 turnovers or sorry, 11 team turnovers from Detroit. Bucks have just six steals, five blocks. Um, so again, you know, this was uh, definitely more of a struggle. Bucks relied. A lot more on uh, their offense uh, than maybe you would have liked them to have needed to uh, with the defense not really being that effective um, and not so much because of like opponent you know efficiency per se I mean the Pistons get up 33s which is a, a good number they hit 10 so you can probably live with that uh, they shoot just 41% overall just 67% from the line but you know those second chances and then the lack of turnovers really help them be efficient offensively tonight so um so yeah, I mean, this was kind of one of those games you kind of, in, in some ways, similar to the last Pistons game in that it was not a comprehensive victory by any stretch. But um, again, you know, notwithstanding some of the bizarre sort of decision making by the Bucks bench late in the game, um, a, a big win, and you know, you don't want to diminish that either. Can I just compliment Andre Drummond for being a much more competent NBA player this year? Yeah, his passing's been really impressive. You know, he's just done a lot more. He just looks like a lot smarter, correct, more trustworthy basketball player, if, if and, that makes sense. And, and the thing is, is like he's kind of their hub offensively. Like all the yeah. dribble handoff action yeah. goes through him. And again, dribble handoffs aren't the most difficult thing to execute, but you do have to make some reads. You do have to kind of understand where all of these moving parts are going, where your screen should be, who you should be trying to get the ball to, and. I don't think I gave him enough credit the first time around, but tonight there there was a possession where he skipped from like short corner-ish to the opposite side, and they got a three. Later in the game, DeAndre Liggins knew that was coming and got a steal, but I, I was just thinking to last year, if Drummond gets a touch in that spot, 
he's immediately probably putting his back to the basket and attempting some sort of post move, right? And it's just it's startling how different that team becomes when all of a sudden in that spot, rather than that turning into a post up with, I don't know, an expected point per pos- like a, a I don't even know a point six points per possession, and that might even be kind something less than that. Like that's man, like that's really good for them that he can do that. And again, I know Avery Bradley gets a lot of the credit, and he, he does a fantastic job, kind of being the engine that makes everything go uh, with the wing players and all the cuts that they make. But man, kudos to Andre Drummond for making making it so much more difficult for teams to guard him. Good on him for making that change because you look at tonight, 27 points, 20 rebounds, 6 assists on 12 of 16 shooting. Uh, and obviously most of the stuff he gets are dunks and easy lands, but still like that that's really helpful for an offense. So kudos to him. I, this isn't locked on Pistons, but it was just something that I don't think I gave him enough credit for originally. Now to the Bucks, to the guys on the Bucks that I want to give credit to, is it this is Chris Middleton's most efficient 20-point night of all time, right? Uh, like I would have to look through it, but I feel like 7 of 10 with 5 of 5 from the line for 21 points, I can't imagine there's a more efficient night for Chris out there. Maybe some night when he got loose for like five threes, um, but, man, that's just really efficient basketball. That that kind of strange chemistry between him and Henson, not – not, I don't think, a, a pick-and-roll duo that you think would really uh, really work out, but they've got some really nice chemistry. And tonight there, were, there was a spot where they didn't even run a pick-and-roll. Like Middleton had a post-up and just kind of looked over at Henson, and he back-cut, and there was an alley-oop. And uh, those two just ha- have really found a nice chemistry, and that's made things extremely easy for them. And it, it, it's really helped them cover for the times that Giannis isn't going quite as good. And those those times are pretty few and far between with Giannis, but I, I think you tweeted out in the end that third quarter might have been his worst of the season, his, his worst quarter, not his worst third quarter, but his worst quarter of the season just with the turnovers, without being able to get to the basket, without scoring. The, the, he just wasn't able to make an impact, and Middleton and Bledsoe covered. like, And the offense just kept humming, and they kept scoring, and um, they just – I mean, that – third quarter is their worst quarter of the night with only 16 points but there's just so many times where in the past you've seen Giannis go cold and everything just go terribly everything is just awful nothing can work and uh, that wasn't necessarily the case tonight so uh, Middleton is someone that again there's a lot of nights where he's on the tough shot express and really taking some tough ones but there's some nights where he's just able to kind of play within himself and this might be the most he's ever done that and might be his most efficient game chris was good i I like the idea of of staggering chris with with henson um and and putting you know Giannis with thon more um just because you know thon isn't really of any use offensively at this point and Giannis doesn't really necessarily need a center to, to be of any use. Yeah. Um, and Giannis also, I mean, it, it's a little frustrating. I mean, like, I, I can't, as Giannis made, like, other than, like, pass, like, maybe some, some like, passes to the corner, has Giannis made a single cool pass all year? The first Cavaliers game, I thought he threw a number of dimes. That first one of the season, I think he had seven assists that game. I thought he looked really good passing the ball, seeing skip passes, throwing some one-handers, doing some, 
I thought upper level passing, but since then, no, l- largely no. Yeah, it seems it's kind of amazing because like even with his height and ability to see over the floor, like I, I can't recall him like throwing any passes to like a cutter for like a layup, yeah. an easy basket. Like pretty much every Giannis passes is, is or his assists are all pretty much kickouts for for jumpers, which I mean is a very valuable play to make, right? You get the gravity from Giannis. You get that kick out. I mean, he did have that big assist late in the Sacramento game in Milwaukee uh, to Henson kind of cutting into the lane there. Um, but, yeah, it's it's a little weird. I mean, Giannis' assist numbers are down. I mean, we've talked about how, you know, his assist numbers, kind of, quite honestly, I mean, he should be sh- scoring a lot. So <laughs> If, if you can as, score that efficiently, you, know, you don't need to pass it if, for a better Yeah, if you, if you can score 30 points a game, I mean, he should never pass in transition because he should always be attacking. Um but that is kind of one interesting thing that I've noticed. Is it does seem doesn't it seems like Giannis has kind of regressed as a passer slash playmaker in, in some respects um, the last couple of years. Never really, I don't know. Like I mean, pretty much never be as able to make plays out of pick and roll because teams just kind of hedge him and throw him off. Um, so I don't know. It'll be interesting to see if there's kind of something they figure out, some different ways to kind of maybe make Giannis a little more dangerous as a passer. Because at this point, I mean, he does play so much like a big guy where he's just you know, kind of catching the ball, you know, in, uh, starting pick and rolls or dribble handoffs, things like that. Um, but anyway, this is not to complain about Giannis's assist stats or whatever. Um, I promise you. If, well, I, was, I would miss, say, though, if you're going to complain about something, Giannis it's going to be stats. I will go, if they miss Giannis's assist, I will go find them. I promise <laughs> you. Tonight we had a block that was not recorded for like two quarters, which was absurd. And a rebound. Uh, and then uh, his his tip in in the fourth quarter was logged as an, a Bucks offensive team rebound initially. It's like, come on, man! It's his birthday, you goddamn hometown <laughs> scorekeeper, not giving Bucks any love. And then he had a second steal, which I don't recall. And then that actually got taken away. So, uh, man, I gotta tell you, I'm I'm I feel like I'm fighting opposing team <laughs> scorekeepers every night, and now I gotta fight the Bucks goddamn home scorekeeper as well. I mean. I'm just one guy, yeah. Eric. I like, mean, you're what? working hard. There's no doubt I'm about working, it. I'm working damn hard um, <laughs> to, to make sure Giannis gets his numbers. But uh, either way, yeah, I mean, 25-10, four assists, a steal, two blocks. Did have the five turnovers, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, on a kind of a ho-hum night for Giannis, the fact that he just puts up those kinds of ridiculous numbers, I mean, it's just really underscoring uh, the type of, of just unstoppable force he's he's become. Um I don't know what is there anything else we want to talk about I, I feel like we've I don't know have we have we have we covered it this would be a short podcast for us um, I think that's okay yeah by the way. No, I, I'm totally fine with it I think tomorrow I kind of want to talk about Eric Bledsoe a little bit uh, obviously he finishes out the game with with some big shots right. but I'm just curious with the way he plays and what you think about um, just him as a playmaker and obviously we kind of understood that passing and making plays isn't like he's a rim finisher and like he can do those things but he also isn't that that isn't him like he's not going to be the guy that is the engine of your offense through passing and making plays like he's he can score a lot and really make you go that way but um, he's just not quite the same passer and kind of how that intersects with Giannis and then with like Chris continuing to pretty much I think he's their leading assist man at this point in the season and I would have to double check but I'm pretty sure since Bledsoe Bledsoe is is Bledsoe now okay he's like 4.6 and Giannis is like 4.4 and Chris is like I think like a 
fraction off of those two guys. So just the fact that there's not really a guy that kind of leads the way there, and um, I don't know, they, just that, just the whole kind of relationship with Giannis and Chris and Bledsoe and Brogdon, like that, that whole thing is very interesting to me, and I think I want to talk about it more tomorrow, but I think we can save it until tomorrow, unless there was something else you really want to talk about. The only thing I can think of is uh, only 20 minutes for Tony Snell tonight, which I thought was, was strange. Um, I know Liggins was solid and being an mf like he always is um but i don't know i don't know if pulling down snell's minutes is, is exactly what i want to do and then kind of the same way i thought henson w- had some nice moments tonight he ends up yeah. with 10 points six rebounds two blocks but then only plays 24 minutes and largely doesn't play in the second half uh, that would be the only other thing i thought was interesting just how you go from one game only playing your bigs was it 30 minutes combined? Uh, and then the next night, it's Thon, and Thon is good, but really he's making boneheaded plays where he's trapping where he shouldn't be trapping and leaving, making the, the Pistons, I mean, essentially forcing them to take open threes. And that doesn't add up, forcing them to take open threes, but the decisions he makes are, are just so mind-boggling at times where he'll go trap or he'll hedge really high or he'll be out by half court and you're just like, what What are you doing? Wait, so so I think you said Thon was good, but it sounds like we're actually saying Thon was not good. Do we agree? <laughs> no, I, I, I should have said like, quote-unquote good. Like oh, okay, gotcha. From Jason, Jason Kidd good. Yes, Kidd mentioned that he was good post-game, but he's doing all these bad things that I don't, seem to make that don't seem to make any sense to me yeah um i i I just like i i I mean i just started to think that maybe kid forgot that he had henson on the bench like honestly i i I mean i i just felt like they were really hurting their chances by keeping thon in for basically the entirety of the fourth quarter um and and unfortunately i mean i'm i'm kind of like i don't know i'm i I mean i i i want thon to have a chance to get better and get reps but i mean this is probably another a podcast a, a, a topic for another podcast but i mean he's just oh god he's given nothing out there other than you know sort of just little spurts of blind squirrels finding nuts on defense um man it's it's tough to watch a lot of the time okay we're talking about that tomorrow we will talk okay. about thon tomorrow and then we'll talk about the bucks and playmaking tomorrow i think those are two topics that i find interesting in their new kind of ecosystem and how they're all working out together so we'll talk about that tomorrow the important thing for tonight, the Bucks win 104-100. They are now 9-4 with Eric Bledsoe in Milwaukee. Uh, Bam, Keg, EKG, uh, KGB, whatever you want to call them, they have a solid night once again, all three above 20 points. Uh, Bledsoe with 22 points, five rebounds, three assists, a steal, and a block. He also hits two big shots in the final two minutes to – I was going to say ice the game away, but then things got interesting. Uh, Chris Middleton, 21 points, 6 assists, 5 rebounds on 7 of 10 shooting on the night. So a very efficient night for him. And then finally Giannis with 25 points, 10 rebounds, 4 assists, 1 steal, 2 blocks, 5 turnovers. But still, a win on Giannis's 23rd birthday and one that is, like we said, important going forward. That helps with the tiebreakers and that helps just getting another game on a team that you may be in the playoff standings with at the end of the season. So a win for the Bucks, 104-100. That's going to be it for us on Lockdown Bucks for today. For Frank Men, I'm Eric Name. This has been Lockdown Bucks, and we will talk to you tomorrow.